This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. I'm going to begin teaching the word, and I'm going to ask that unless it's an emergency, you don't move. Can you just pray in the spirit for 30 seconds? This is why it strengthens the inner man, and it sets your heart up to receive something deeper than prior. So just go ahead. Go ahead. Pray in the spirit. I want to hear you. Out loud, out loud, pray in the spirit. Hallelujah. Keep going. Keep going. Oh, just just let the Lord begin to move. You in your homes begin to pray in the Spirit. Right there in your house. Amen. Amen. Okay. I want to talk to you tonight about worshiping in spirit and truth. Thank you, Joel. I'm good for now. Just stay close, buddy. Uh, I've been in this vein now for about five weeks regarding pure worship. And there's a great divide taking place right now in the kingdom. The church in many ways and in many places has bought into the lie that it exists to give people everything they want. And so you actually build church in a way that you know people are going to like so that they attend. Therefore, Without knowing, you offer your worship to their attendance rather than to Jesus himself. So, I mean, we've timed worship. We've actually timed it, like down to the minute. Because we, we, what we're really declaring is that we know God only likes it for 27 minutes. You say, well, dude, you're, I've never heard this. But tell me if I'm lying. And uh, we want Holy Ghost power without Holy Ghost ministry. We want God to work for us, but we've worshipped the clock. So we say things like this. What, I mean, it's really all about souls. It's really not all about souls. It's all about Jesus, and then he saves souls. Nobody here on their best day can save a soul. <laughs> Go try without the Spirit of the Lord. You will quickly discover, I need you, Lord. Before the Lord fell on me in power, I was out ministering on the streets in Laguna Beach. I was so filled with fear that I stalked a 75-year-old man for an hour. 
Because he looked like he wouldn't be mean to me. <laughs> he had a little Gilligan's Island hat on. You remember Gilligan? Yeah. He helped Gilligan. Remember <laughs> Gilligan? <laughs> he had this cool little, little fold-out chair. And he was sitting on a little hill overlooking the Pacific Ocean. And I said, there's no way that guy will be mean to me. So I stalked him. And I stared at him for an hour. And finally, I mustered up the courage in myself to go share Jesus with him. And as I got from about myself to Jess, to the man, after working through every internal issue I was carrying, before I, 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 went, I went to say, hey, sir. And I was going to say, do you know Jesus? And before I could get do you know out, he whipped out a gospel track and asked me if I wanted to be born again. <laughs> That's when you know you're bad at what you're doing. That's when you know you're horrible when you can't even find the lost. When the guy you're trying to get saved after hours of hunting and stalking him tries to get you saved, you realize something very quickly. It is not by might. It is not by power. It is by my spirit. So we use these things in the church context and say, well, we, we keep it this way so people will get saved. But God saves. So the church evidently can be franchised. You can work the model and work the system. And when the goalpost moves, in other words, when, when the win is not determined properly according to the scriptures... Success looks like people in the seats rather than Jesus in the room. If people in the seats were biblical success, that means every packed out heathenistic pagan rock concert would be successful. If numbers determined success, that means the cross was unsuccessful. Jesus' crowds in Galilee were much bigger than those at the foot of the cross. The Calvary and Calvary was not a failure. The resurrection was not a failure when it was just Mary there. Just one. Success is him. Him. The actual him. So we've been going down this road. What does it mean to worship the Lord? What is he looking for? Revelation 22, verse 17. I want to talk about the spirit and the bride. In line with God redefining and rebirthing something beautiful in worship, he's doing it now. He's doing it in our generation. And I'm telling you, the line of demarcation is becoming more and more clear. This is a choose this day who you will serve type of moment. You can sing a Christian song and be filled with yourself. 
which is being like the devil while you're using Christian lyrics. <laughs> Put your seatbelt on. That was just the nice part. <laughs> Revelation twenty-two seventeen, And the spirit and the bride say, come. I want you to say spirit, spirit. and the bride. Say, come, and let him who hears say, come, and let him who thirsts, come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Here we see the partnership, the deep relationship between the Spirit and the bride. And I want you to remember those two words. Say, the Spirit... And the bride. Let me talk to you about how the Spirit is moving with relationship to the bride. What is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's main objective in our lives? Believe it or not, what it is not is having a big crowd at Jesus 20. Though I'm grateful for everyone who came and got saved and healed. The miracles were ridiculous. They're still coming in. Uh, uh, yes, thank you, Jesus. They brought hope and, 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 and the gospel was preached and God moved. But, but ultimately, God's chief objective is not to give us a big meeting. Romans 8, 28 through 30. What is the Spirit doing in the bride? What is his purpose? Listen to this, verse 28 through 30, Romans chapter 8. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. That's bridal talk. It's his love talk. To those who are are the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined, why? To be conformed into the image of, of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. How does that happen? Here we go. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he glorified. What does it mean to be terrified? It means you're filled with terror. You've become terror. What does it mean to be glorified? It means that Jesus himself has been infused into your being until you've become like him. God predestined us, called us, justified us, and glorifies in us For a reason, that we would be conformed into the image of Jesus. What is the Spirit's chief objective in us? To make us like Jesus. Say this. The Holy Spirit's number one goal in my life is to make me like Jesus. Okay, now. That, that's a big deal. Because that means he can do what I don't always enjoy. Are you ready for a crazy one? He can say no to me. What a shocker. 
Here's another one. God can tell Jessica what to do and not feel bad about it. God can tell you what to do. God can ask you to do things that stretch you, that challenge you. Are you ready? That inconvenience you. Because he has a bigger goal in mind. The bigger goal is not the immediate breakthrough. Do you know why God gives some people influence? Because in the natural, they don't enjoy it. You missed that. If God can take someone who is an introvert, for example, this is an example, who's an introvert, who is not rejuvenated by being around a large crowd. In fact, it's actually part of the cross he's given them. If God can get glory out of that person, he gets a lot of glory. Because somebody comes around and asks a person that question, how did this happen? To those who are aware of their own weakness, they go, I, I have no idea. It was the Lord. But if you can give someone the 20 reasons why God is using you, you need to get back on your knees. If you're so convinced of your amazing capabilities, you're convinced of strength, not weakness. The greatest challenge for me personally in hosting the events or the growth of the church or the school is the growth itself. I still miss St. Andrews, that little building. As more at home, not with, it's nothing to do with you. It just has to do with my makeup. I mean, you don't play golf and fish because you like hanging out with a lot of people. <laughs> Neither require people. And you can hit a golf ball as hard as you want. You can hit into a lake. It will never talk to you. Bounce it off a tree. Don't scream at you. You can do anything to a golf ball. And just, they don't lie. However you hit them, they curve. My, my golf coach used to say, a golf ball never lies. It'll do only what you, what you tell it to do. And fish, I kiss them when I release them. But they don't ever talk back to me. It's wonderful. I, I enjoy all this. But sometimes, listen, in fact, all the time, when favor comes, God has a bigger purpose in mind than the momentary visible favor. The greater purpose is, I'm making you like my son. So to some of you who want the stadium, I will have a stadium because I, I am a stadium man. I am stadium man. <laughs> Whatever that looks like. I am the great missionary. Some of you want the platform. You, you won't worship here in the room because you're examining everybody else. Thinking, I should be up there. That's why you're not. That's exactly why you're not. 
You ever, does anybody here know what, oh, oh gosh, the married men are going to go, I totally know. Does anyone here know what a backseat driver is? <laughs> J-Dog tells me all the time, baby, the brakes, the brakes, you, you, you have slow reflexes. And, and, then, and then she'll move it into, I am way quicker than you. I'm like, you're, you're quicker than me now? She'll be like, yeah, my reflexes are way faster than yours. I'm like, baby, I love you, but that's not true. Backseat driver. How about those of you, um, you, did you have an uncle? See, I grew up Greek, so they, a lot of my uncles and family, you know, the guys I, I grew up with, they wore those white tank tops, you know? And Greek guys are not exactly just baby smooth when it comes to body hair, you know? And they didn't cut their carbs, so they had the little, there was no keto back then. You ever watch Big Fat Greek Wedding? That's how I grew up. Identical to that. The only thing that is foreign to me I've never seen is the Windex, but that's not to say it's not true. It just wasn't in our family. But you had that, you know, I'd sit there with my friends or my grandfather or my uncle, you know, and he'd have a bag, a bowl of chips out and some popcorn, and he's on his recliner, the belly, and when it gets big enough, you don't even need the TV tray. You just put it on the belly. <laughs> All right. And we'd be watching a game. And John Elway is playing, or Peyton Manning, or Tom Brady, or Tiger Woods is putting and misses a putt. And there's your uncle who hasn't showered in four days, who didn't make a team who at best was the water boy. He starts telling Tiger. Your uncle can't, he's never even held a golf club. He wouldn't know what it was. If you gave it to him, he'd probably scratch his back with it. <laughs> so he wouldn't have to move off the, off the recliner. He starts telling Tiger. Well, if I were Tiger, putting an eight-footer to win the Masters, I would do this. Wow. And in the back of your little head, you're growing up, you're going, but uncle, you're not Tiger. You don't look like Tiger. You're definitely not Tiger. That's what the church does. We kill our wounded. We judge those who take risk. And we're convinced of our own ability. But God can't trust us to put us in the game. Because we're aware of us, convinced of us. We've got our list as to why leaders have made mistakes and not raising us up. But the Bible says promotion cometh from above. Do you know if it comes from above, there's nothing below that can take it? You can relinquish it. But there's not a demon in hell who can steal it if Jesus gives it to you. And that's why he does these things with the weak. Not to do something incredible before people. No, it is to make us more like Jesus. Say that again. The Holy Spirit's prime objective is to make me like Jesus. But here's the question. Why? 
Why? I'm going to introduce a word here that's been a theme now for the last six weeks. Why does he purify us? Why? I, I feel that this last revival, we talk about a Jesus, new Jesus movement, Jesus people. I don't think it's going to be marked by a bunch of long hairs. If you have long hair, God bless you. I love you. Aaron, you look amazing. <laughs> it's not going to be a reenactment of the 70s on beaches. It won't be marked with these scenes. I think it's going to be marked by bridal purity. Yeah, millions will be born again. Absolutely. I'm all in. That's why we do our events. That's why I'm on outreach. That's why we do what we do. But I have a feeling if this is going to be about Jesus, the church is going to start looking like him. Why purity? You mark my words. Purity will be at the, it'll be at the forefront. Why purity? What does that have to do with worship? What is purity? If you're drinking pure water, that means there's only one substance in the bottle. Listen carefully. As I begin to remove other substances, the water becomes more pure. I don't need to add more water to this bottle to make it more pure. I just need to take out, listen up, what is not water. And as I do that, this water becomes more single. Say single. Say less complicated. Say less mixture. So Jesus and, according to the book of Hosea, is adultery. What the Lord is looking for in a people is this, that if he takes the scalpel to your bone marrow, to the depths of your soul, one word drips out, Jesus. So the more questions that come your way, you have one answer. How do I have a good marriage? Jesus, he's the third fold in the cord. How do I get rid of this disease? Jesus, he's the healer of my disease. What is the answer for racial reconciliation? Jesus, the one who draws all men to the foot of the cross, who's made us all but one. What's the answer to sin? Or who is the answer to sin? Jesus, the one who destroys the yoke. Who is my eternal security found in? Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. I don't have any faith. Don't pursue faith. Pursue him who is your faith. And the bride has this thing about her where 
Her heart is on a swivel, and wherever she looks, she sees him. And she has discovered that he and he alone gives her life. Therefore, she has no other answer. This is bridal talk. This is love talk. I rarely see a groom who is called to marry the girl coming down the aisle. Not if they're not, I see it all the time. But I rarely see a groom who knows God sent that girl to him and she knows God sent that man to her. Rarely have I seen them filled with distraction. They're just staring. The bride looks at him the whole way down the aisle. And that's what this life is. It's walking down the aisle until the marriage is consummated in glory. Do you want to know something amazing? You know who gives, who will give the bride away to Jesus? The Father. All fathers give the bride away. This is purity. It's the removal of foreign substance. But why is she being purified? You've got to get the why. Because if you can get the why... You will yield to it. Listen carefully. It is oftentimes challenging and painful. Do you know how dross is removed from silver? It is burned. And the Bible speaks of a purity that is seven times pure. That it literally, a life goes into the fire until all the dross, the foreign metal is removed from the pure silver. And silver speaks of redemption. In other words, I've been redeemed so that I might be like him. So why are we purified? By the Spirit. You want to know? Because your husband is pure. Mm. And Jesus only marries like kind. He's not married to the sinner. We are being purified because he is pure. There's a goal in mind. Do you know why you've received his nature and lost the old nature of the devil who's a deceiver from the beginning? Do you know why you've received this godly nature in you? So you might be one with him. You're being purified for a reason. Worship is being purified for a reason. What's more at odds? What makes less sense than a prideful preacher or a prideful worship leader? How is it that worship became a musical industry? Merchandised. 
when it was always supposed to be about love. Say, I've received his nature that I might be one with him. How do we receive his nature? Second Peter 1, 2 through 4. How many of you want to be more like Jesus? Lift your hand. This is how the Holy Spirit will do it. Are you enjoying this? Second Peter 1, verses 2 through 4. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Listen carefully. By which have been given to us, say to me, exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. (gasps) The word of God. Listen carefully. The word of God. The promises of God. The scriptures infuse me with the nature of my husband. with the nature of the heavenly bridegroom. So our husband is holy. 1 Peter 1, verse 13 through 16. Same chapter, I'm sorry, it's one book prior. Chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. We're going to move fast here. You don't have to turn there. Just trust me. Make sure it's on the screen. We're going we're to move quickly here. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, to your old life, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, You also be holy in your conduct because it is written, be holy. Why? But why? For I am holy. Why should the church be holy? Because her husband is holy. Hopefully nobody here would marry a moose. You never know these days. Why? Well, it's not like kind, is it? The Lord is looking, listen up, for people who look like him. You know why? A wedding is coming. Oh, man, a wedding is coming. I said, a wedding is coming. Habakkuk 1.13. Habakkuk 1.13. You are of purer eyes than to behold evil. And you cannot look upon wickedness. 
pure as the Lord. He can't even look at wickedness. You, hopefully you're there going, I don't know what to do. Well, you don't have to do it. That's the good news. The good news is, is that we can't make ourselves holy. How holy is he? First Timothy 6.16, who alone has immortality, dwelling in inapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. He who dwells in unapproachable light. I sent that to my father-in-law. I guess he uh, talked about it on his Facebook page. That here's this baby in a manger who dwelled in unapproachable light. The glory of the incarnation. What do we do? What is the answer? We need the Holy Spirit. Genesis 24 Verses 2 through 6. Let me read these to you. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house who ruled over all that he had, please put your hand under my thigh and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac and the servant said to him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. Hear the servant. Listen up. Give me ten more minutes. Hear the servant is a type and shadow of the spirit. The humble spirit. Notice here, he is the eldest servant in the house of Abraham. This is pointing to the fact that the Spirit is eternal and has no beginning and no end. Here the servant's job is to find a bride for Isaac. Today, the Holy Spirit has a job that he gladly accomplishes. Not like people who go to work and can't wait to get it over with. He thinks Jesus is phenomenal. And because of that, he is performing something on the earth that is glorious. And this is what it is. He's finding a bride for the eternal Isaac, Jesus himself. And this is why when he finds her, he adorns her with gold. What happens to us when we're born again? But we come to Jesus by the Spirit and all of a sudden, we're adorned with gold. This speaks of the gifts of the Spirit. He comes bearing gifts so that we would look beautiful, listen up, when he sees us. Interestingly enough, the servant says, what if she won't come with me? 
do I still go? Don't miss this. Abraham says, yeah, still go. The father today knows. Many will say no. The father knows. Many will not come with the spirit. To meet the husband. But the father still says, go. What a loving father. Help me a little bit, very softly. What a loving father. But Abraham says something very important. Whatever you do, don't take, don't take, do not go to where I came from. In other words, my son will not marry my former life. Do not go back there. If she says no, I only want you to find a bride from my family's people. The Holy Spirit is only looking for the bride in God's family. It tells me something. Jesus will not marry the world. What I mean by the world is the system, the Antichrist Babylon. You stay there. He will not marry you. See, we want him to erase our sin. But we don't want him to erase our own will. We'd like him to blot out our trespass because heaven sounds beautiful. But giving him my moment is a different story. I want eternal security, but I want to live like I want to live now. Friend, your eternal security is like shifting sand. Proof that your eternity is secure is that your now is yielded. It's the Spirit who is apprehending the bride for the sake of Jesus' reward. So that's why we see this relationship between the Spirit and the bride. The Spirit and the bride are saying, come. Without the Spirit, there is no bride. Without the Spirit, the bride has no call. There's no yearning. There's no pulling on the bridegroom to come. Oh, this is wonderful. And so, as a family, as a church, I have felt the Lord stir me to protect what is holy here. I just want to say, this will never be a place for you to come and get all the attention. We will love you. We will walk with you. We will put our hands on you when the devil comes to steal your life. We will anoint you with oil. We will baptize your children. We will, we will fight. We will get into the mud. We will disciple you. 
We will teach you what we've been freely given, but this will never, ever be the place for you to come get attention and be weird. You say, dude, you're going to shrink your church. That's part of building one. Jesus actually looked at his disciples and said, are you leaving? He said, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood or you have no life. They left him. And he said that without a disclaimer and without giving them a concordance. He just said it and stared at them and they left. They said, this saying is too hard. They left. Jesus didn't chase them. He knew he could only build with what was pure. Mixture had to be eliminated. It's why we need to learn when to call out in a moment and when not. And if people are offended when we say, please don't do that right now, the offense is not our issue. But I will protect the glory. The glory and the anointing are so different. Different. The anointing is a gift. The glory is tended to. It's tended to. It requires sensitivity. You're tending to the garden as Adam did. There's a moisture issue. You're creating a habitation by the Spirit. We have to know when it's time to stand up in the presence of God. What this is not is a soaking convention. I'm not saying if you're tired that you shouldn't sit down. I'm not saying any of that. I'm not saying, but I am saying when the king comes in the room, I want my body to express it. You say, what about all this? It's all in the word. But, but, the church has done something totally different. The church has become all about people when the church only touches people when it's all about Jesus. Well, what, what could Ben and I bring in our natural ability? So that woman, outside of supernatural power flowing through our body. The reality is, we only knew what, knew what to do because it was here. But at the end of the day, in our own strength, those tumors will mock you. We have to learn how to live with God. Listen to me. We have to learn how to live with the Lord. Some people only, some, not all, but some cry out in the most inappropriate moments because they want the whole place to know they're there. Sometimes you say, oh, I'm just going to sit this one through. I'm going to sit through worship to get to the sermon. You obey your body, not realizing your body was meant to be given as a sacrifice. This will never be. Listen, Jeremiah heard his bones shake. Amen. I've never heard my bones shake, but I have been shaken by God physically. I will never mock it. I have had it. It was embarrassing, and God needed to embarrass me. Because years ago, I had mocked somebody who shook, and God shook me like a leaf for four hours publicly. And when I said, why are you doing this? He said, because you need to die, and today I'm going to bury you. You're going to get up with a limp. Weakness. 
Daniel fell as though dead before the angel of the Lord. Amen. Amen. The early church accused of being drunk, not because they were speaking with new tongues. If I start speaking Polish right now, would you say, this guy's hammered? No. You'd say, I'm amazingly smart. Why? Why were they accused of being drunk? Because they were possessed by the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes that looks like something. Do not misunderstand me. But as a pastor, my job is to walk the tightrope between letting God move and keeping demonic and fleshy, fleshly manifestations out. And I just want to say, You need to avail your heart and be open to that correction if you're going to learn to walk in the presence. There is a way to walk as a family in the presence of God. And you don't just get to do whatever you want to do in God's house if that's not what God is doing. And it's hurt the church in many ways. It's hurt. When God does it, there's substance, there's beauty, there's an awareness of the Spirit there. People say, well, well, look what happened to Daniel. Well, bro, your life better look like Daniel. Daniel was thrown into a lion's den. We are going to have to learn how to live with God, how to camp with God. Never forget this, and this is how I'm going to (laughs) close. Unfortunately. For you. (laughs) Samson sins with Delilah. He relinquishes the anointing, the glory. That's why it was his hair. He relinquishes the glory. His captors come and he says, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll just shake him off like I used to. So he shook. He engaged in a physical manifestation thinking that the physical manifestation creates the spiritual atmosphere. Oh, no, 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 no. It is the Spirit who animates us. And this is what he discovered in his own strength. He was led to captivity. And the first thing they did is bind him, that's sin, and gouged out his eyes. He lost the vision of God. And God in his mercy gave him his hair back, but he was forever blind. Listen up. You lose the glory. When that anointing returns, it doesn't mean you can see. You need to be humble enough to be led, even though your hair's growing back. I just want to say publicly here, we will receive the broken. We will receive the sick. We will receive those who've messed up their marriages. We will receive those who are confused, those who are bound, those who left, those who have screwed up. This will be a hospital for the hurting, but it will not be a place where weirdness is consistent. It will be a place where the glory dwells. This is what this is. And I just want to tell you, this is who we are. It's what we're going to be. And if that does something in your soul, This is a place for you. I want people to hear it online. I do. I love you. 
I want you to come and get saved and healed and filled with the Spirit. But I want you to hear me around the world. This will not be a place to descend, to show off, to be bizarre. Do you know you can say the right thing and be filled with the devil? That's what happened to the Apostle Paul, that little divining woman. She said, these are the servants of the Most High God. For days she was declaring truth and filled with a demon. And I want the devil to know, and I want heaven to know, that we take his glory very, very, very seriously here. If it lives, listen up, if it lives, it may never return. I want all of you who love this, this house, this school, to listen to me. If it lives, if he lives, he may never come that way again. More importantly, listen up, than you laying hands on people is you being humble enough to leave the room if we ask you to because we gave our word to a place that we would. Are you hearing me? You know what God is looking for? Foot washers, not mercenaries. Why did he choose Mary? What was it about her? Who does he give grace to? The humble. Who does he resist? The proud. That's who we are here. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950640, Lake Mary, Florida 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.